Pushing Back Chaos with Mel and Mike and Raph. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Pushing Back Chaos. See, it's not that hard to open up with the real title, unlike Melon last week. You guys missed me, and you messed it up. I knew you would. Raph, don't tuck your chin up like that, dude. You messed it up, and you guys can just admit it. Nobody missed you. I'm, not, I'm shaking my head. No, we fucked it away. That's just We're a bunch we of go. amateurs. There we go. But, but uh, nobody missed you. Don't Let's act like get you're the professional in this group. Ah, the third party. Yeah, so <laughs> sans Melon this week. Um, after the atrocious event, we voted Melon off the island. He's he's gone. So welcome to Pushing Back Chaos with BJ, Finney, Mike, and Raph. That's, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good, <laughs> but that's what you're getting. And uh, yeah, we're sans Melon. He's uh, doing pilot stuff. Uh, I was uh, doing Mike stuff last week, and now he's doing pilot things. So he won't be joining us for the episode, but as you listen, it's going to be that much better. So welcome. Raph, what's been going on with you, man? How's the, uh, how was your week? I, I know you had a great weekend and a lot of sunshine. Yeah, before I dive into that, um, I just, I just, I want to point out the fact that you help underscore what I've been saying for the last two and a half years, which is I carry this program. So you were gone last week. I was here. Melon is gone this week. I'm still here. Hmm. Ex, exo facto, I'm carrying the show. Always have been carrying the show. Anyways, but that's, I just wanted to point that out. Moving on. Yeah, dude, this weekend was amazing. Uh, got to hang out with our boy, Jimmy Boggs. Uh, shout out to Jimmy Boggs and Liz Boggs and Team Addo. That's... Uh, Addo is an Alpha Delta Delta Oscar, which is his not-for-profit, uh, where he helps transition service members um, from the military into the civilian world. And he also kind of helps uh, law enforcement. I know he's dealt with uh, federal agents and certain agencies that also are going into that business. Um, and he basically helps them out by uh, resume service. Uh, and then he, more importantly, uh, tailors, like literally tailor-made you know, measurements the whole bit um suits for the civilian world for for uh for interviews um and it, he's had massive success man and this was the six year team Addo had a fishing tournament down in tampa down in the harbor district which is i it's my first time hanging out there i was really blown away with just how well put together this whole thing was uh and just the the, the people in attendance you know, i mean it was just like the spectrum was about as massive as you can as you can uh as you can think of um awesome four-day weekend it was a small reunion because there was a bunch of dudes from the wolf pack uh back in the uh you know mike remembers a lot of those guys from our business down in afghanistan and then before that we were in iraq together so anyways it was an amazing reunion but aside from that just some amazing people they raised eighty thousand dollars um and obviously all this money goes into uh suiting up the veterans that are transitioning so it's it's a massive um service that he's providing to these you know, service members to kind of land on their feet, so to speak, and land running uh, into these professions that they're that they've been aiming for, right? Because if you're not suited with the right equipment, you're going to look like a clown. So, dude, I, I couldn't be prouder of James and Team Addo and the stuff that they're doing. And I, I was just telling Mike earlier and, and BJ, I won't be surprised if this is going to be the next Wounded Warrior um, project or something simple, like just something at that scale. 
because he's this is only his sixth year and he's his sponsors keep getting bigger and bigger. Um, so anyways, I'm super excited. They did try to get our boy uh, Ron DeSantis to come down and be the uh, guest speaker. And like, no kidding, his office responded and uh, they couldn't. Um, they anyway, I'm sorry, I'm mixing him up with another turn. <laughs> They're trying to get Ron DeSantis at another buddy's charity. Uh, and anyways, but more importantly, the, his office responded and they said, hey, we can't make it. But I just thought it was kind of cool. Within a week, they responded. Uh, we understand you're getting confused. You basically just went on a four-day binger in Tampa is what I'm hearing and, <laughs> and, and did some fishing and, and caught some things like some, some tires and some cans. And you're like, oh, I caught a fish, right? I, it's, it's all coming together. So he goes fishing with you. Yeah, but BJ, don't, don't try to shit on me too soon, man, because I have video <laughs> evidence of me catching the most fish and the biggest fish. And uh, what was that, Lake Texoma we went to? Uh. It was, but I don't think you have video evidence. Oh, I do. I think we left that at the lake. No, 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 no. I, I kept it because I knew uh, your sour ass would come back years later trying to tell lies. But anyway. Yeah, well, it it doesn't help when the boat only caught three fish. So well, I caught I mean, them. Put it in perspective. That's fine. I caught them all. <laughs> Raph caught one. Mm. Didn't we have to release them or didn't they like yeah, you break or to. something? Yeah. Wasn't it a minnow don't out of the fishery? All, take, don't be boat? taking all the glory there. Well, Raph took the bait out and said, look what I caught. I mean, it doesn't really count. I saw him hook it, drop it off the side of the boat. Hey, and he wasn't going in. hungry. It's eh. a fact. Well, that sounds like a cool trip, man. And, you know, just how it works out is every single year that Jimmy has put that on, I've always been either deployed or training or busy. And this year showed no failure in that uh i had a busy week like i said up and uh went home to, to pennsylvania up in pittsburgh and man i had a loaded schedule every single day but literally one of the best weeks that i've had in a long time just every single day with quality people best friends and family i had uh i went to a wedding i went to the Steeler game which i lost because the offense sucks because uh bj's not on there um I had a great quality time with my pap. Uh, I surprised my mom with a picnic uh, out at a uh, state park in the mountains where she used to take me as a baby. You know, moms love that stuff. Uh, I went to two concerts with uh, Dr. Tony and had a, a really weird but fun time. Uh, we went to see a comedian uh, and one of my other best friends got engaged and he asked me to be his best man and was there for that whole thing. And that was the the main part that I couldn't come down to Tampa for is I, I was there for him. You know, it was hopefully once in a lifetime thing and uh, I couldn't miss it. But um, yeah, yeah, shout out to John, man. Shout out to John. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so, solid dude. Uh, yeah, just a great guy. Um, and then I spoke to the high school. Uh, that I, I brought up and that was on last Tuesday that I was up there when you guys recorded the last episode. I was actually at my old high school speaking as a guest speaker about a lot of things, which is kind of going to flow into this uh, this topic that was uh, pretty important and a little bit surprising in a way from the responses I got at after the uh, the speeches from the students. But um, oh, before we get into that, I just for those that don't know, and I'll reintroduce them here, our uh, compadre on the uh, number three spot, where Mellon usually holds, formerly holds, I should say, uh, we got uh, BJ Finney. 
Uh, BJ Finney is a good buddy of Raph and I, and uh, he's a former uh, NFL lineman. What's that? <laughs> I said mainly Raph. Mainly Raph? Yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm just going to delete this. Nobody's going to hear this. Um, but uh, BJ is a former NFL lineman. Uh, he did, he did uh, most of his time with the Pittsburgh Steelers, short time with the Seahawks, and a short time with the Bengals uh and everything uh he also is a uh, very proud graduate from kansas state where he uh, Ma, baby where he currently uh resides and uh is back working after his post nfl job and uh he's doing great at it so welcome back to the show bj and we hope that you stay permanently instead of that uh alzy ass clown <laughs> <laughs> you know we, we all miss melon let's, let's be real you know, having having a teammate uh, being from Melbourne, Australia, you, you miss the Aussies, man. They just they shoot you straight, and you know they can they can say some pretty uh, egregious things, and you don't know what they said. So, you know, entertainment value. <laughs> right on, dude. Well, hey, he he he's our Texan. He's basically our version of of a Texan. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we- fair. When he was in Virginia, uh, Virginia here, he was visiting me and his, his like go-to thing. He's telling everybody, he's just like, yeah, he's like, yeah, mate, I'm from the South, the deep South. And people are like looking at him and like, didn't get it. Oh, it's Australia. And he just thought he was like the greatest dad joke, you know, walking around with his pop collar and his, his, uh, it's not a comb over. I don't even the hell it is, but it's not good. And he just thought he was so funny and he was, he was pale and it was, that's gotta be that's gotta be a running joke for australians because i was told the same one like it's just bad well well, i don't know how you're talking about jordan right yeah yeah yeah. jordan berry he's a he's a punter he's i think he's with the minnesota vikings now or whatever so which which is kind of funny being he's back in pittsburgh for a couple weeks oh he is oh okay well he was up there for a bit so i don't know how a guy from deep south australia goes and high north america and uh gets away with that joke (laughs) that's where he's from so well let's uh let's jump into this topic so this topic uh we came up with uh like i said reflected from the students and there was a lot of responses after the speeches and when i gave gave my introduction i talked about who i was being from a hometown kind of my backstory we talked a little bit about 9-11 which was about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and shared my story about where I was on that day. And then I talked about current conflicts and then a little bit about my job and like what I did. And one of the biggest um, group of questions that I got was, were you scared? Why did, weren't you scared to go to the military? Weren't you scared to go to war? How did you feel uh, going into all this? What was it like jumping out of a plane the first time? And I know a lot of those questions were pointed at the military and like what I was talking about, but it really got me thinking just about fear itself and what is it, why why do we feel it, and how do we go about getting past it uh, to achieve something? And, um, you know, I wrote down a couple things that we can kind of open up and discuss about. And, you know, Raf and I are former military, but he's out in a civilian job now. BJ is a former you know, NFL guy and football and the adversity within it of itself, you know, it's a whole nother thing that, you know, Raff or I haven't experienced. Uh, so we can come out with a, quite a, a and, then, and then even as parents too, you know, I'm sure there's tons of fears and stuff like that with your children and everything else. But um, the three things we kind of came up with is what is fear? And, you know, it, 
in my opinion, the way I look at it is it's a reaction to the unknown or perception of failure uh, or perception of some negative result. So it could be like pain or, you know, something of that sort. Uh, what is it that we fear? Uh, obviously a pain is like, nobody wants to feel pain or get hurt over, over something, but ultimately, and I want to say it's Dr. Jordan Peterson that brought it up. Uh, but it's ultimately the fear is the incompetence, uh, at the task at hand. So it's not that I don't want to do this. It's, I don't know how to do this, or I don't know if I can do it because I've never done it before. And I love how he talks about Anytime you try something new or step into an unknown arena, you're going to be not the best at it. You're not going to maybe be the worst at it or whatever, or just fail right off the bat, but you have the understanding that you're not going to just step into it and be a rock star every single time and to embrace it. That it is new. That is opportunity to grow. Uh, and then also too, how do we approach fear and how do we get through it? And what are some things that can be there to help us through? And I wrote down, you need to have confidence with small tasks. So obviously, if you're going up for a college degree or you're going to take a massive uh, interview to get into a job or you're doing something physical, it's pretty daunting and you're not just going to go out and run a marathon. You're not just going to go out and apply for a six-figure job or a professional sports team right off the bat. Uh, you you got to build your confidence within small steps or small tasks to test yourself and build that confidence all the way out to be like, yeah, I can do this. And you're learning along the way. Uh, the second point I had is record yourself data or your achievements. So anytime that you're going for something, it's just like, man, who am I? Like, how am I going to step into that place and try to get this job or this opportunity? And it's always good. Uh, I have this at work and I call it a, I love me binder. And it's not a cocky thing, but it's literally my record of every qualification, school, uh, education, like e everything that I've ever achieved in the military, there's a copy of it in this book. And it's about two and a half inches thick, uh, full. And anytime I, I go up for something, I can look back to this book and be like, I've done all this. I've achieved all this. I'm pretty good. Like I'm, I'm not this unworthy piece of shit. That's just taking a shot in the dark, but I've, I've accomplished a lot in the past and man, this is good to have, you know, I can reference myself in black and white. Uh, the third part is my support group is, you know, I can't do everything by myself. Most of the time, I'm always depending on other people to pick me up, to teach me, to mentor me, uh, to uh, vent to, you know, and just let out the right type of uh, aggression or something out of that in a healthy way. Uh, and then also changing my mindset that it's not a punishment that it's not meant to be painful or unenjoyable, but it should be exciting. And it, I should embrace it that it's an opportunity to change and to grow. And once your mindset changes and I look at it that way, things aren't that bad. You know, the, the, the water is not as cold. The, the, the days aren't as long. The task is, isn't as bad. Cause I know it's like, man, I'm, I'm moving and I'm growing. This is living. And I've said that before is the difference between being alive and living. And when you feel that tension, that anxiety, your nerves are kicking, you're getting the twitches, you know, your mind's running a hundred miles an hour while you're laying in bed at night, that's living. You know, I'd, I'd way, I'd much rather be going through that than being, you know, sitting on a couch or being dead and not feeling a damn thing.
So just to open up, that's kind of what came from that. I got a lot of responses from the students. I've been, you know, I, I've been thinking about trying out for the football team and I'm scared. I don't know if I'm big enough. I'm, I'm really skinny. Uh, you know, trying to get through high school, I'm scared about this or trying new things. And I would say 60% of the questions I got back from the students were having fear of doing something that they want to do in their life. Um, and I was like, wow, who's, who's inspiring you to get out there? There was a lot of fear uh, that I picked up from their side. So what are your guys' thoughts on it? We'll, we'll kick it off with you, BJ. Well, the reason I laughed is, you know, I'm not big enough or I'm not strong enough or just the list of excuses and, you know, if you keep making excuses, you'll never get anything accomplished. And, you know, that fear of failure keeps you from trying. And then, you know, that's why I laugh because I just, it's funny to me to listen and talk to people that, that always say those things. And it's like, well, what are you going to try at? Because, you know, you're just, you're keep, you're, you're robbing yourself of, of knowledge and of joy, potential joy. Um, so just, it's funny to me that that is as repetitive as it always comes out to be. Yeah. What is that like on your side? So like growing up, going to, you know, playing collegiate football and then to the professional level, um, what are, what are some examples that you've seen of like that type of fear and people making excuses not to be able to like do something for the first time in that environment. I think when the first time they make the excuse, you got to have the right group around you. Like I had, uh, well, tough luck. You're going to try it anyway. Um, you know? And so when it, it just, it took the opportunity for you to weasel out of it away. I mean, you had to do it. Um, and you, you just, you, you have to, you have to jump in, you have to swim. You know what I mean? Um, it just, I don't know. It, I didn't get a chance to, to not do things. So it's, it's weird. I get, yeah. It, it kind of makes me laugh because most things you can volunteer for, but like you've already made it, you're committed, you're contracted into that group. And they're like, Hey, you're going to line up. And this dude that weighs 300 pounds is going to hit you as hard as he can. And you either do something about it or you don't. <laughs> right. Like there was no option, but forward. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm just curious, BJ, even knowing that there was no option before, did you still feel any hesitation or like, you know, in that gap between leaving college and moving on to the NFL did you ever have any moments where there was any sort of self-doubt? You're like, what in the fuck? Like, you know, they call that imposter syndrome where like, did I just get myself into something that I'm not equipped to do? Absolutely. And you can see, you know, most of it uh, when you watch the games, when you see a rookie that just, I don't want to say they look lost, but they look out of place. And it's because the game is moving so fast and everybody is so much bigger, so much faster and so much stronger that it just your mind is always racing and you're not able to you know focus on what you need to so it looks bad um you know I was fortunate to be put on the practice squad the first year and so I had that time to to learn the game and have it slow down before I was put out there on the game field um but yeah it, it's yeah it, it's it's always interesting to see that so I was gonna say so having that 
that feeling of, you know, holy shit, I, I hope I'm good enough. What, what tricks or what did you do to kind of have to over, overcome that mindset and just have the mindset of like, no, nah, man, this is where I belong. Like at one, like, what did you have to do to kind of, uh, I'd hate to use the word, I hate to say the word arrive. Cause every time anybody thinks they've arrived, that's where you, where you, you're faulted, start, yeah. you know, um, yeah, exactly. I would, I, I go back to a college coach that, you know, I was thinking about quitting college uh, altogether football, just because there was one camp in particular that I was not having any fun. Like it was the worst scenarios happening left and right. And uh, one of my coaches just told me like, Hey, when you're having these bad days, like you go back to your dorm or in this case, you know, for the pros is my hotel room. And like, you need to look yourself in the mirror and be like, all right, what am I going to do? And you just have that meeting with yourself of, am I going to push through it? Or am I going to seek comfort and, and try and get out the back door here and go to some, some, someplace where I'm comfortable. Um, and to me, it was always knowing I would wonder what if, and that drives me absolutely insane. And so I'm going to have that answer one way or another, and I'm never going to wonder to myself, well, what if I would have stuck it out? And, you know, no matter if it was a mouse in front of me or a mountain, I was going to hit it with whatever I could and everything that I could in my being to know. I'm going to say, well, what if I would have blocked that guy? Yeah. We've talked about yeah. that in a, in a few other episodes. And it's like the power of vision, you know, and foresight. And, you know, I talked about that when <clears throat> I was going through selection every single day. It's just the worst day ever. And you're just like, I don't know if I can do this one more day. And you just have those little doubts that come into your head. But then like Raph said, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I've always wanted to be. And now I'm living it. And it's a hard day. So, you know, it's I think it's very powerful. Like you said, BJ, is like you looked in the mirror and you had that what if moment. And I kind of put that into that vision of picturing myself. OK, yeah, today sucks. But a week from now, what am I going to look like if I keep going? What about next month? What about next year? Am I going to be a starter? Am I going to be moving up into here? Am I going to be a team leader? You know, it could be whatever. And just like picturing yourself making it. And, and it's just like, man, that's re that's rewarding when you can envision yourself. Because I think we lose our self-perception in the times of adversity. Because all you can focus is on the pain or the misery, or the confusion, and it kind of clouds, you know, I'll call it the dream, or the goal. And it's always good to have something to remind you uh, to go back to, you know, like I said, my, my love me binder, you know, I can have all of my achievements in there. And on the front, uh, it has my name and my rank and how long I've been in there. And it's just like, man, I've been doing this long. That's me. That's me right there. Check that out. That's pretty cool. You know, and that keeps me on track. And like what you're talking about is that vision. And it kind of helps me eliminate that what if. So that's a great point, man. I like that. And Mike, if I can just add into this. So my own personal struggles with fear, because obviously it's part of the reptilian brain. Is I have noticed that whenever I've had some irrational dose of fear, right? Whether it was in relationships, like in my marriage, like maybe I'm afraid to approach my wife about something because I think I'm just gonna, because I'm not great with words, right? Like I might, 
versus my wife who can really articulate what she thinks. I sound like a monkey next to her. And I'm just trying to put like two words together. And she's like, what are you trying to say? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I can't. Uh, but whenever I have those irrational, like those, you know, deep, deep uh, seated irrational moments of, of fear, I've noticed it's at the core of it. It's because I'm in a state of where, like I see myself more as a finished product than a work in progress. And when you think that you're a finished product, that's when you struggle to change. Cause you're like, well, no, I like, you think that you somehow like, no, I've got all this stuff, you know, all my, all my stuff covered and, and I know who I am and I should be able to do ABC, but suddenly you're failing. You're like, why am I failing if, if I am supposed to be who I am? And that's, I honestly think it's because you see yourself as a finished product versus a work in progress. If you're humble and you're like, you know what? I can be better. I could, I could, I could uh, approach my wife in a conflict, you know, over something maybe with more eloquence or maybe with more patience or maybe with more, you know, reverence. Um, there's always room for growth. It's when you don't see that within yourself and you think, no, 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 I'm a finished product. I should be able to like force my way through this. I honestly think a lot of times that sets us up for failure. Um, but, but that's, that's not simple. It's not, it's not black and white, right? Like, I think there's times where you need to be BJ Finney and be like, I'm going to literally fucking run through this mountain. Cause that's, that's the only answer. Like there's really no way through it. Um, but like I said, me personally, I think that's at the core of my struggles. It's always been realizing like, no, man, there, there's room for improvement. And also you need to remind yourself failure is not the antithesis of success. It's just part of success. Like it, it's not the end of that. Like, it's not like, oh, I fucking failed. Oh, that means I can't succeed because I just failed. No, man, it's, it's part of the process. Like you're not going to get to that angle. I mean, BJ, you are literally a one percenter, right? You've been to the NFL. How can you count your failures in one hand? Probably not. Absolutely not. Yeah. But but your success, if someone looks at your 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 career, they're like, wow, you've been successful. But clearly you've had hundreds of, of failures leading up to these successes. I'd Just go part as of the far as thousands. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. E even minute ones that that fester and, and lead to bigger ones. Uh, right. you know that snowball effect that happens too um but yeah it's you to be truly successful you're gonna fail you have to you, that learning curve has to come into play somewhere along along your journey you're going to fail and how you respond will determine how successful you are yeah yeah and i and like again i think that's important because a lot of us at least me, I'm just speak, speaking on my own personal experience. I feel like every time I, I'm afraid of going forward on whatever the venture is, it's usually because I think, well, I'm not ready yet. Like it's that perfectionist mindset. Like I, I want to make sure everything's kind of in the perfect order before I, I approach something. And I more times than not, it's really just keep me from reaching that, that future goal that I want. Right. It's, it's an irrational fear. And I just like after a while, I start realizing, like, fuck it, I'm just going to go. Even if I'm not completely ready, I'll make myself ready by the time, you know, I get to to the thresholds that I need to get to. I think, uh, you know, when you're talking about that is <clears throat> building it up. Uh, and, and BJ, like you said, there could be that snowball effect. You know, I think before you get into something that you fear, you have to kind of predict in your, 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 the best way you can predict what could happen and kind of 
try to prepare yourself for it, right? So be, you know, before I jump off a cliff and I'm going to skydive, you know, or, or ba base jumping or something like that, I'm not just going to put a parachute on and run head first off of a mountain and and, and fly down towards the earth, you know? I'm, I'm going to look at it and be like, okay, this is scary as shit. What could happen along the way? Could I trip and fall and fall over the edge like a dummy? Is my parachute going to open? Can I get to my reserve at a certain altitude? Like, you're taking calculated risks when you're going into something and knowing the risks and then planning for them can alleviate some of that fear because then you're kind of like, you know, you're, you're going from the wide open to building a controlled road through the chaos, you know, and it, and it can kind of be, you know, I call them warm and fuzzies, but it's just like you build small, you know, if you pictured a road through an arduous, you know, um, forest or you know mountains or something like that it's pretty daunting but when you're along the road and it's like okay once i get to this mile marker all right i know where i'm at and i and i know where i stand i'm good all right now i'm going to go to the next one and you're and you start building it up through there and you're focusing more on the road and where you need to focus versus all of the chaos in the view of the mountains and all that other stuff around you and it becomes a little bit easier uh when you can map out your journey uh going through it you know, that, that that's a, it's a good thing to do. It's a good exercise. Do we, do we always do it? No. Most of the time, especially guys like us, alpha types, you know, the environments we've been in, it's just our pride and our ego get in the way. It's just like, I'll figure it out. I'll do it. And then you get into it and you fall on your face and you're just like, wow, you're not as good as I thought. Everybody rides your shit. You know, you get guys like Raph talking shit to you. And it's just like, Raph, you drive a, a go-kart or an airport taxi, you know, like, you can't do anything. So I get it. But uh, mapping it out definitely alleviates some of that fear, some of that stress when you're going to, for something big. Yeah. And, and building off that, when, when you're talking about mapping it out, we go back to that vision and you're talking about laying the little things into place, like your little victories, mm -hmm. um, you know, for when you do get put into those situations where there is no option, but going forward, it's stacking those little steps and, you know, as you guys went through it uh, and, Oh, I don't, I don't know about how Raph went through it, but, you know, going through uh, um, Mike and having that next, that next thing in front of you that, and that's all that you can focus on. And that's how you're building that road is because as you said, you're not paying attention to the chaos. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It just struck me that, you know, as you're going through it, it's, it's the little things in your life that add up to where the big things will fall down when you get there. Um, our coach, coach Schneider at K-State used to make us fill out goal sheets and everybody gets so upset because he'd have five goals and then below the five goals, you had to have four points and which way you're going to get those goals. Like the goal within the goal, essentially, sorry, there's a big crash upstairs kind of threw me off but um you know and everybody's like because then you'd have to go and talk to him about it and he'd want to know how serious you were about your goals and how you were going to achieve them and so you know that's part of it yeah and we talked about that uh well we talked about the importance of precision in another episode and you know you mess up or you're scared and something happens and you fail and you're fearing 
failing again. It's just like it's not a good feeling if you if you weren't if you didn't measure up, if you didn't you know make it through something, you got dropped or whatever, and you're like, wow, I feel like the biggest piece of shit for a little bit. And then you have that fear of going back and trying again. Um, but when you look at it that way, it, it, what do people always say? Well, I need to be better. Okay, that means absolutely nothing. What do you mean be better? It's it's when you break it down, like you're saying, BJ, from that main point into a bunch of small ones, and you're going, you know, I, I don't even know, dude, like for a lineman, but, you know, hey, I need to get my hands better. Once I got master my hand movements, and then I got to work on my, my foot movement. Then I got to get my diet down. Then I got to get, you know, my mental game better and understand the play better, you know, or know the signals better or whatever. It's like very specific roadmap back to meeting the fear again. You know, you're coming back better prepared, basically, because you weren't the first time, you know. And then maybe if you want to get into it, you go from that one point uh, that has four sub points to it. And then maybe those sub points start having sub points of their own where it's even more detailed, you know, of getting down to the really like minute shit. So, you know, and how bad, how bad do you want to succeed and, and beat that fear? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got their reasons, right? You're too skinny. You're too fat. You're not tall enough. You're not big enough. You're too stupid. You know, nobody <laughs> likes you. You don't have enough money. You Your know. language is offensive. Your name's laugh. <laughs> I'm out uh, to hurt feelings tonight, boys. Uh, yeah, go go ahead, Ralph. No, yeah, I was gonna say I think it's important also for anyone listening that might be struggling with coping with fear. Like we're not make no mistake about it, man. You're listening to three three guys that have felt fear themselves, and I'm sure there was times where we're able to the kind of turn fear on itself and then and be successful. But there's other times where at least me personally you know, that inner, I call it the inner critic. Cause that's really what fear is, right? It's your, your brain telling you're not good enough or, Hey, you can go after this, but you're probably going to fuck it up. You know, or you're probably going to whatever I've, what I have found is that if, when I'm pursuing a goal, if, if I make it not about myself and I make it about something else, whether it's um, like when I'm working out, especially I'm 45 years old, right? So clearly my goals for working out are, are different. My, my whole goal now is longevity. It's not about putting up numbers. It's not about, you know, setting some sort of stupid record. It's literally, can I still do this when I'm 100 years old? That's literally my goal. Well, I don't love working out. Some people do. I'm not one of them. The thing that motivate I shouldn't even say motivation. The thing that gives me the discipline to, to make, to keep the routine is thinking about my family knowing that I can be of a, like just a better utility to my wife and my son and my friends. If I'm healthy, if I'm fit, you know, God forbid, we're all traveling together and somebody, you know, somebody's car flips over and it catches on fire. I know that I'm able to pull your family out of there. Right. And likewise, you guys can do that to my family. I think about that stuff. I literally think about that stuff while I'm deadlifting or I'm running or I'm doing whatever. Um, so what I'm basically saying is, if you know you're being crippled by fear, get, get a support group. Find those friends that you know are there for you that aren't going to beat you down and be like, hey, man, I'm really trying to achieve this. Um, you know, help me with a little bit of the motivation. And I'm sure, Mike, you know, when you were going through selection, your, your, your failure of failing your, your friends was probably bigger than, than your own personal fears, right? Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely. sure you, you started getting close 
Yeah, like you don't want to feel a dude to the left and to the right of you, so you're going to put out every time to the best, you know, and BJ, same thing with you. You're on the line, right? You're protecting the dude to your left, the dude to your right. You'd rather, you know, oh yeah, hurt your body yeah, than watch your friend get hurt because you did something wrong. I mean, that that that's a motivator. That's always a motivator. And it turns that self-critic around. Yeah, that, that, that's what I found out in really strong teams or really good environments is when you hear people with that selfless attitude. Um, you know, one of the questions I got asked when I was speaking was, uh, how do you how do you weigh yourself in an environment versus your teammates? And I said, oh, that's very easy. It's it's team, teammate, then myself when it comes to that and working. Um, and I said, you know, I could get hurt or I could get killed and that's fine. Like that's, that's on me. That's, that's my deal. But if I do something out of, or I don't do something out of fear uh, and I'm not there to be the person that my teammate needs me to be and they get hurt or killed, that's literally the worst thing that you could possibly do to me because I will eat myself up from the inside uh, because of that fear led me to it. And then that's probably going to haunt me for the rest of my life. Uh, if I don't address it, you know, the only way to beat fear is to re-engage with it and to come back to it. And, you know, you can't come back to it with the same mentality, with the same approach, because that's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over is the definition. Um, you got to come back. different results. Yeah, 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 exactly. You're expecting different results by doing the same thing over and over. Thank you. See, he went to college. See, I'm so proud of him. Um, the K State education. I love you, BJ. Hey, man, it's a great one. You should try it. it might help. <laughs> Actually, um, I know it'll help, but you got to get in first. <laughs> uh, so, separate note: I can't do it. Um, I'm I'm fearful. I I tried out for warrant officer 18 times. I was 18 times, and uh, I'm just loaded with fear, boys. I just I can't get over it. So I am with God. You beat me to the punch. <laughs> as i usually do anyways <laughs> but yeah. but yeah but there's a term for that it's called accountability this guy named james cleary and he wrote a book and i can't for the life of me think of the title of it but it has to do with uh basically atomic habits is the name is the title of the book it's a new york bestseller but he basically talks about that one of the secrets and the keys to some of the most successful people is that they always had somebody they were accountable to. And it's never yourself. It's somebody else. You know, it's literally like a best friend or, or a teammate that, that, you know, and likewise, they, you kind of feed off each other, you know, like, cause you're less likely to give up on that person than you are. Yeah. You know, like we'll give up on ourselves all the goddamn time. Like literally we'll do it as a hobby. But you know, if you got to look somebody in the eye and be like, Hey man, I told you I was going to be here at five. And I, and I wasn't here at five. Like you feel terrible if you're a decent human being, unless it's Mike and Mellon, then you know what? I'm late all the time. Like I make it a point. It's a power move. I'm, I make it a point to be late. To we know. Podcast. We know. But that's different. Yeah. Yeah. That's different. So that's a power you know, move. you're carrying the team. You're, you're allowed to be late, right? Thank you, BJ. You're consistent. You're the star. Yeah. Like you're <laughs> Mike's looking at me like I could kill you right now. <laughs> that's all right. I could bury BJ right now with something, but I I really like him. He's a good uh-huh, dude. Yeah, sure, yeah. And uh, yeah. you could try, but you gotta dig a big hole, my friend. All right. So look back real quick. I think it was two thousand and 
18 or 19 and the Steelers played the Patriots and uh, you need new weapons. There was a penalty. There was a penalty on the offensive line where everybody moved, but the center and he never snapped the ball. Take a look who the center was. Sunday night football. It was, it was 2019 week one. There's see, it must not be important if you know exactly when it was. Hey, all I got to say is the check's still cleared. <laughs> and that that's a winning attitude. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some good memes. Have I, always, have I always? Absolutely. Called me legend. So what's wrong with that? Legend has yeah. it. He's still there. <laughs> that's That was the best picture. It's a black it, stadium. And BJ is still there holding the ball. And the lights are out. <laughs> The best. Uh, <laughs> uh. No, that, that's th- those are all great points, though, man. I mean, we've all failed. We've all had messed up something so bad, and then it's especially with work. Okay, your job. I mean, I mean, in fo- the game of football, like, geez, what's the saying? Like every single play, you could call holding because someone was grabbing or doing something you like must that. Must be hanging out with defensive players. Okay, well, maybe so. Uh, but there, there's certain things like every single play you could just royally mess up and, and, and blow the game. Uh, there's stuff in flying in aviation that you can mess up and then you you got to go back and explain yourself or you get grounded or something. And it's like, man, how am I coming back from this? You know, and we talked about making mistakes or unhealthy choices, but then that fear sets in of shit. Yeah, I know I messed up or I know I have to face this again because the only I have to go because it's my job or I don't bring the resources and the money or the support that I need my family needs the job you know whoever my teammates doesn't matter but you know you start weighing those options and like Raph said you you look outside of yourself and you're like man this is bigger than me you know and uh one of the scariest moments for me is uh 2018 in July uh, I was out diving and I had a shallow water blackout and I sank down to 40 feet, uh, with no O2. I was completely blacked out unconscious for a minute and a half. I was, uh, as white as snow, my, my lips, like I, I was, I was gone. And my swim buddy was a brand new guy, 22 years old on a breath hold, swam down and kicked my ass to the surface. And I had a rifle pistol mags like all kind of shit all over me i was heavy and he kicked me all the way to the surface on a breath hold and saved my life and i went and got checked out and as i'm sitting there realizing like holy shit i almost died uh i'm going through med checks and uh all that stuff and then the question came up you know my my uh my leadership came up to me and they're like hey mike how you doing and i was like i'm good but uh if i'm gonna be honest with you i'm I'm a little shook shook up you know like i almost died (laughs) And they're like, well, the same dive. We're doing it again tomorrow. And uh, let us know in the morning if if you want to go, you know. And, I, man, if that didn't weigh on me, I'm like, dude, I almost died and was underwater with no air. And I was de- like, I was dead. And I was scared, man. I'm not going to lie. I was scared of, like, I don't want to go back down there and there's something wrong with me. Or I got too much CO2 build up in my system and it can happen again. Or I'm flirting with death. And it was like, man, I have to get back in there. If I wait too long, I'm just going to sit here and think about it. I'm going to eat myself. I'm going to say, what if, what if I didn't go down? How are my teammates going to look at me? 
I'm not trustworthy. I'm not dependable, you know, and it, and it became bigger in myself. And then at that moment I was like, yeah, I'm getting back in. So next day I'm there doing dive soup checks, checking everything. And all my guys are looking at me and they didn't say anything, but it was one of those times where they walk behind you and just tap you in the arm. Like, Hey man, good on you. And, and you know that you were just doing the right thing. And the dive went well. It went really well, actually. So I minimized that time of getting inside my own head and overthinking shit. So for me, that was one of the hardest times recently. So I've got uh, kind of a similar along those lines, Mike. And I, you might remember this, even though I think you had just left. Um, it was the second Blackhawk that we lost in Afghanistan that actually got shot down. And I remember Colonel Hines just talking to, to the whole unit and just saying, you know, kind of making our peace with the boys that we lost. And, you know, looking back, now I totally understand what he was doing. And he, you know, he, he basically paused all ops for, for a couple hours, like a handful of hours. So we can kind of, kind of like, you know, make our peace with the fact that we just lost our brothers. But I mean, just as quickly, we were back on, we we're back on missions. Not only that, we went back to the place where that helicopter was shot down. And obviously we went back with the kitchen sink, everything in the kitchen sink, ready to avenge uh, th those deaths. But looking back, I realized that it wasn't just about, you know, fighting back the enemy. It was actually fighting back the, the inner enemy, which was the, the real fear of like, holy shit, these dudes literally shot one of our helicopters down. Um, suddenly you're not as invincible in these multi-million dollar machines, you know, like you suddenly realize... Yep. The enemy gets a vote. Um, and I, and looking back, I think it was one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. And I'm sure it wasn't easy for him, but I'm sure it's what, but I looking back, I think it was the, one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen a leader do, you know, like I'm telling you, it was like, literally we paused for four to five hours to do the ceremony. We did the hero mission where we transferred the bodies on this, on the C-130 or C-17s. And then they went home. And then minutes after that, we were launching back to the valley setting up opip sites to fuck those dudes up i mean it was like yeah to, to, i wasn't on that um but i i talking to the guys i know that there was like fear but there was also like kind of um like they just made peace with it like just kind of like hey this needs to be done and i think there's something to be said about like when you royally squeeze if you if you uh, come across a failure that's really significant the best thing you can do is not take lots of time. It's literally just get up and and get back. And uh, and I think you're going to be way better off. Whatever it is, you know, we're, it doesn't have to be common. It, I mean, it can be anything. It can be a relationship. You know, you say something stupid to your wife, you know, you totally ruin this relationship. You know, the best thing you can do is get up and go back and apologize. Because we all know apologies are shitty, especially, <laughs> especially when you're the idiot. You know, it's terrible. It's, it's a terrible feeling. Yeah, but uh, it was it was a great lesson I learned from Colonel Hines, who's hands down still one of the greatest leaders I ever served under. Agreed. How about you, BJ? What's uh, what's one of those challenging times for you? Um, well, I'm trying to think. So it was it was August of 2019, and we were in training camp uh, in Latrobe, and we had just lost our wide receivers coach coach drake um he unfortunately had a heart attack in his sleep um while out at camp and 
few days go by. We're back out on the field. It's a really hot, humid day, and I don't do well in heat. Um, you know, as you guys are aware, um, you know, I sweat a lot. My body just, after a while, says enough is enough. And we were going through practice one day. I got done with my one-on-one pass rush attempt um, block. We call it, you know, one-on-one drills. And I just feel my chest is going. My heart's just pumping like crazy. And I look down and my pads are visibly coming off of my chest. My heart is working that hard. Um, and so they, they pull me out of practice. Five minutes go by, I get upstairs, um, you know, because they got to take all your pads off, put you in the gator, run you, you know, around probably seven, 800 yards worth of driving in a gator uh, to get to the training room door. And then you got to walk another hundred feet or so into the training room. So a good amount of time has passed because we had to get through fans and stuff. So, you know, five, six minutes, my heart rate was still 185. And, you know, so I'm sitting there and I'm trying to catch my breath and trying to relax. And I've got, you know, three team doctors and two head trainers there. They're, you know, trying to figure out, well, what do we do here? Cause you know, something's completely off. Um, to add to it, my dad had passed away at a heart attack at 36 and heart issues run in my family. So here I am in this training room and they're like, Hey, some, something's going on with your heart. You're like, it's, you know, that moment hits you realizing, um, you know, that, that mortal realization. Um, and so they sent me home that night to Pittsburgh because I had a cardio, uh, stress test the next day. Um, but it was a nuclear stress test. So they inject you with a little bit of radiation so they can map out, you know, all the chambers of your heart and how thick your muscle is and, seeing if you have any blockages, that kind of thing. And I remember sitting there that night with my wife and I was terrified because I knew that my pulse was still high and having the family history and then just losing coach Drake was like, you know, am I going to wake up tomorrow? And knowing at some point I was going to fall asleep, but I didn't want to that fear of like, you know, this might be it. And you know, I guess you could say, fortunately enough, I did wake up, <laughs> you know, to make it a little bit lighter here. Um, dealing with that, that fear, and, and it's still going on today because, you know, ever since I had to retire with injuries and stuff, my health is, has kind of taken a downturn. And uh, I got covered in poison ivy. Um, had to go get a prednisone pack and found out my blood pressure is 165 over 102. Um, and so there again, that family heart history is coming back into play and having to come up with a, a, you know, a goal plan of how to get myself in a ways, in ways that I can back into shape without having to go through back surgery for my spine. Um, you know, it's just having to work through that with my wife going back to the heart episode. 
um, was huge. You know, we, you're saying you, you got to have this people around you and, um, you know, she obviously was that, that one that was there cause she was the only one that was there at the time with me. And, um, that fear weighed heavily on me. Um, it weighed heavily on my family, but you know, like as Raf said, going back on mission a few hours later, I mean, eventually I'm gonna have to fall asleep. So, <laughs> you know, my body just answered it for me and, and I was good. Um, the worst fear that I ever had though, as a parent is watching your child choke. And I, and I truly mean choke, not, not just, you know, kind of pause for a second and they cough it up. Like, no, like you perform the Heimlich legitimate choke. And, uh, we were, it was me and my daughter, my wife had left to go get her hair done. And I don't even remember what she choked on, to be honest. Um, some food, because she was sitting next to me, and and our deal was watching the Bone Collector, um, you know the the, the hunting show. I don't I don't have to. As soon as she hears that that soundtrack come on, she's right next to me, and she was standing there, and we were watching the elk episode. She loves the elk bugling, she loves that sound, and she turned to look at me, and I just I looked down, and she had already changed colors. It started, you know, flailing and just seeing the sheer terror in her eyes. Um, you know, and they, they give you those, as everybody thinks they are, the, those dumb videos or like lessons before you take a child home from the hospital. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, even they're said, you don't really need to watch them. They just make us like present this to you and check the boxes or whatever. Thank God I watched them. Because had I not, I don't, I wouldn't have my daughter today, you know, just that Rafi you'd mentioned earlier of, of going through those scenarios in your head and having that map and that game plan. And, and that's one thing I do is, okay, well, what if this happens? You know, that always comes back to what if, and by running through that scenario in my mind from that, that video of how to stop a one-year-old from choking. I just innately did it and I, I couldn't come down off of that fear for a couple days. Like it, I was pacing around the house trying to get my adrenaline to calm down. Even after she's playing and laughing on it, I was like, I was like, no, 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 no. Like that's the look that you never want to see. And dealing with that fear. I mean, you still deal with it as a parent fear for the child but it's what can you do to best equip them or be in a position to help them that quells it and so how, how old was zoe it was it's zoe right yeah zoe and yeah, how, how old was zoe when when that happened uh 14 or 15 months was off season so it had to be around february yeah so god man that's that is every that is a parent's worst nightmare. I... So so from what it sounds like, you know, there we we all described these pretty harsh moments that 
just filled us with fear. Uh, but maybe something like that is long-term, like, you know, the diving incident, you know, that was quick and that was over, you know, the, the, the black Hawk that got shot down, you know, that was like in that instant, but like over time, like, especially with children, you know, they're, they're kids for a long time. And like, I can't imagine the daily fear you wake up. And so like, I can't really beat it. I kind of got to live with it. You know, like, it's not just, you're going to face it and it's going to go away, but it's always going to be there of like, man, I fear for my kid getting hurt or choking or falling down the stairs or like, it could, you know, it could be anything just random, especially with kids. Um, you know, as uh, Melon and Raph described as uh, little terrorists uh, from the last episode, <laughs> but uh, you know, you never know what they're going to give you. So that, that's a good point too, is living with fear versus just beating it. You know, that, that's, that's pretty, pretty valid. But um, well, I mean, I, you know, I know it's close time to to raz, uh, to wrap it up, but um, I think it's also important to note that fear is necessary, right? It's what's kept our species alive from for generation after generation after generation. I mean, it's literally it's part of the instinct of survival. But at the same time, in massive doses, it can be very irrational that you're afraid for whatever, um, and it just stops people from pursuing greatness. And that's, that's really, I think what we're talking about. Yeah. And achieving your, your, and achieving your goals. Yep. Well, as Raph said, it's that time, uh, before we wrap it up, do you guys have any, uh, clothing points that you'd like to share for, uh, for the topic? I'm surprised just, that you haven't brought out the FDR quote. If anybody to bring it up, it'd be you. Go ahead. Say it since you know it. It sounds like, no, 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 no. It's all you do it, do it in the show. accent too. Everybody thinks you're a one-trick pony, BJ, that you can just stand up and block big things like linemen and Mack trucks and cheeseburgers. But, you know, we, we know you're intelligent, too. So See, There you go. You got to bring up cheeseburgers. What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> like, at least put bacon on it. Let's be honest. <laughs> How about you, Raph? You got anything, dude? No, nah, man. I um, This is a conversation that we talk for about for days around a fire i mean it's just you know it's just part of living and you have to learn how to uh kind of work with it kind of work around it um you know and find your reasons why your motivations but i mean this is a complex topic because there's just so much that goes into it the psychology of it the the just how much of it is just our brain how much of it is you know real factors it's, it's a complex issue but i think it's an important one i think it's something that people need to hear just be reminded of yeah so i'm glad yeah. I, so I'm, I'm glad you brought it up mike i really am yeah it was a one of those pertinent things um you know for, for the listeners you know i always like to leave some questions uh, with you to sit there and think about yourself you know you heard raf's story about uh you know losing the, the black hawk and and then having the get back in the seat and go right back out to the area. Heard BJ's story about, you know, him and football and dealing with, you know, a lot of fear within himself and some family history with heart problems and everything. But then, you know, I was witness to it. I was, I don't think I was at that practice, but I was at, I think one of the ones after it and he was back out there hydrating like a, like a damn camel, but uh, he was out there getting after it again. And, and, and he was back there hitting, you know, just like you said, you got to get out there. 
uh, and then, you know, sharing mine about the diving incident and getting back out there under the water and at nighttime and just being pitch black. And, you know, it, all three of these are pretty drastic. Um, but what I want the listeners to do is sit there and ask yourself, what are you scared of? What, what are you afraid of? What, what do you, what fear do you wake up with? What fear do you go to bed with? And ask yourself some of these questions. Why do you fear it? Uh, why why do you feel the way you feel about it? And then, you know, I love that BJ brought it up. What can you do about it to approach it? And don't be vague. Be very honest. Be very specific. Don't say, well, I need to be better. I need to be stronger. I need to be smarter. I need no map it out, write it down and either, you know, main topics with sub points and those sub points have sub points, like get really specific and address something that's in your life that's holding you back or your family back. And uh, there's no better time than now because time is fleeting and it's better to address it sooner than later. So uh, that's all we got for this week. Uh, reach out to us. Uh, let us know what some of your biggest fears and how you came over them. Um, look us up on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Heroes Media Group, all those. Uh, I know we say it every week. Melon says it every week, but I'm pretty sure nobody listens to the Melon. So I'm going to ask you very loudly to uh, go on, leave us a review, uh, hop on there, uh, leave us some, uh, you know, a five-star review, leave us your comments, your thoughts on there. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and we love hearing from you guys. We do read everything. And uh, yeah, if you really like the sound of the show, because we're down the, uh, you know, the see you next Tuesday from Australia, then uh, let us know about that too. We'd appreciate it. So until next week. Cheers.